Look out. Surging up from the depths of the sea. Horrifying, mysterious creatures whose attack on people sends the whole countryside on an endless search. Unless something is done, and done quickly. Is this the end of our civilization? You'll pioneer with us the perilous descent into the unknown. What does that mean? What are you even talking about? A deep, penetrating dive. In the last calm and reflective moment, before the monsters came. Humanoids from the deep dive. Welcome to Humanoids from the Deep Dive, where we dig deep into the meanings and contexts of your favorite monsters and monster movies. Each episode, we'll see guests and myself give or take on an important movie monster and or film and what we think it means using everything from history and philosophy to films and folklore. Today's episode. We're talking about the infamous 1992 faux BBC Live special, Ghost Watch, aired once on TV and never again. Fans of the show can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at HFT Deep Dive. I'm your host, Andre Couture. I run a film blog on Medium called Celluloid Consomme and technically another one on Letterboxd as Hamburger Harry. I am pleased to introduce our excellent co-host for today's episode, Jeff Ewing. He runs a byline on Shutter's The Bite. He writes for Forbes and Slash Film. He's written books on various uh, genre topics, such as uh, demons, Stranger Things, Doctor Who, monsters and philosophy, pretty much anything that you have ever seen that we've talked about on the show, he's likely written about. And also, Mike Mon, who runs um, The Video Attic, and he's a contributor for Geek Vibe Nation, and Looper. Hey! Hello! So, thanks for joining me. <laughs> I'm trying to get my British accent going for this episode. Hello, Governor! Hello, Govna. Chip, God chip. save the queen. All that rubbish. But, uh, Andre, thank you for having us on your episode. It is absolutely my pleasure and mine only. So, uh, <laughs> just to um, go over everything here, it, it seems like we, we've all been able to watch this movie or TV mm-hmm. special. Um, and yeah, so... Um, th- this is one that I've I've seen quite a few times. Um, once I was able to find out how to watch it, it, it was on Shutter for a hot minute last year, and mm-hmm. then taken off. But um, I I know that this was a first time watch for for Mike. But yeah, uh, Jeff, have you seen this before? Uh, no, I haven't. I. I this is my first time watching it. when it first came out I was 6 oh. and I didn't start regularly watching the BBC till I was 8 Um Ooh, fancy fancy little Jeff he's, You know I always love my uh, Shakespeare adaptations me and Billy Shakes go way, way back So wait, did, uh, did you actually see the the broadcast of this No I wish that I did though oh, okay. um but uh, this was the first time watch for me, and I I, I dug it. I thought it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I guess the, the angle that I want to go for with this is uh, 
it's very obviously about ghosts, you know, in the in the term of uh, ghost hunting, it, it very much copies that format of. Actually, I think it precedes that format of um, like those ghost hunter shows, uh, but it has a little yeah. bit of um, procedural nature to it, rather than just hanging out with a documentary crew, pretty much mm-hmm. just fucking shit up. Because um, it always returns back to the studio where they they talk about what just happened, analyze it, and go into like history, and um, I don't know, just review evidence, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So it, it very much is a uh, a study on ghosts, and I think that's what I like the most about it is it in its own narrative it attempts to um, examine what it's about Mm -hmm. which is something that not a lot of films can do if they're told in a straightforward way but if it's like a faux documentary that's uh certainly a strength yeah i think that like it's um it definitely adds this nice level of realism uh to it and and that realism fooled a lot of people and i always love stories like that I love to see something like it again, but in the meantime, we can still check it out. Yeah, the the um the public response to this was so mixed. Um, I think I heard something like, uh, almost a dozen like million people watched this, but only about three or five hundred thousand, maybe like actually called to either complain about it or tell them how amazing it was. Everyone else was completely silent. So I thought that was kind of amusing. Here's a thought. Do you think the queen watched it? Most definitely. Yeah, I want to feel, I feel like, yes, I, (laughs) I want to believe that the queen and her corgis were all like huddled around the TV. Yeah. goodness, Goodness gracious. I, I wonder if the queen was one of those England? people who called to complain, or if she uh, even just like was silent about it. Maybe like uh, Prince Charles was the one who um, just railed on the BBC about it. Like you're never going to show this again. Um, yeah. <laughs> As just the con- like angry Prince Charles uh, lives rent free in my head. I don't know why. I have no really strong opinions about Prince Charles, but to imagine him really just irate about something is very amusing to me. (laughs) Especially about Ghostwatch, like a 1992 made-for-TV, like, documentary movie. (laughs) And he just... And, yeah, like, in this fantasy of fantasies, he just talks about it constantly. Exactly, you're like, like, what are we gonna do? Ghostwatch at breakfast. (laughs) Exactly. Like, this is, like, 1992, like, but what? going to do about England? And then he's like, those damn ghost watch people! <laughs> ghost those, watch? Those bloody ghosts! <laughs> well, uh, before we get any further into this, I, I should probably run a synopsis so people who don't know what this is at all will have some idea of what the fuck we're talking about. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Okay, so Ghostwatch is a it's a movie that's presented as a live BBC broadcast. Um, 
with the same name, Ghostwatch, as the, the show. They make their television debut in 1992 in a documentary style to attempt to capture paranormal activity while learning about the history of a particular entity terrorizing a mother and her two daughters. The on-site documentary crew stays with the family in their home while host Michael Parkinson of the BBC and guest co-host and parapsychologist Dr. Lynn Pascoe chime in from the studio, delegating hosting duties, taking calls, and examining past evidence. Despite the general dismissal of the ghost's existence, something else entirely comes out of this ill-advised special that no one was prepared for. And I'm going to leave that open to either not spoil or spoil. But if we do, we'll warn you. Hell yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much the basics of Ghostwatch. And it's it's not very much longer than any other film. It's just the presentation that's really different. Like, I love a good mockumentary. Yeah. I uh, would probably compare this a lot to Lake Mungo, almost, but like in a. Totally, oh, I thought realm. about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good comparison. Yeah. I mean, like, Lake Mungo has its own echoes of other things. Like, there is some. Some like Lynchian lore that kind of mm-hmm. emerges out of that, but Ghost Watches, you you kind of have to dig a little bit because it, it does give you everything that you need, but there's there's something else there that uh, I think you need to examine a little bit harder to get um, everything out of it. It's a very lore heavy um, movie, like a presentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I would say that, like, I found it, uh, like, I personally liked it better than Lake Mungo. Interesting. Um, yeah. Because I, I, okay, fair warning, and, and folks at home, this is going to be kind of spoilery. But, uh, so I'll give you a second to fast forward, like, five minutes, maybe? Okay. Beep, 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 beep. Um, but, okay, so, like, I, I thought that the journey of Lake Mungo was good. It was very well filmed. It was very dramatic. But the ending was so lackluster what was actually happening that's like oh because this is so cool like oh she's having all these weird experiences and there's layers of whatever and then like she just witnessed kind of her own ghost because she just died a boring death yeah (laughs) like all that build up for fucking what it's like having like like two hours of foreplay and then nothing that's the Aussie. like good god i was disappointed no yeah it it really resonated with me because of um uh, I'm gonna say it uh, the the air I mean the echoes of Twin Peaks was so palpable and um the the weird like time differential with with the ghost I don't know was super eerie and mm. it just got me thinking about like like shit is that what ghosts are is like is it not only like past but like future like dead entities warning like other people that are connected to them that they're going to end up like this like that that's what that's what got me going so i sure. um yeah i mean otherwise it was kind of like a that's it ending other than that it's just my overactive imagination that hey i mean if your brain could make it a more interesting movie i i love it 
Um, yeah. Because it was well made. I just felt like, like you're saying, it was like all this buildup that I was super into, and then like, oh, just for fucking that? Really? <laughs> Shit. It's like, I, I, I feel like, like, like my dogs probably feel like when they get all jazzed up because we're putting shoes on and it's just to take them to the vet. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where they're just like, oh, we're going to the park. We're going to get treats. We're going to go out. We're going to like run on the beach. I don't know what they're fucking thinking. They're dogs. But they're just like, and then you pull up to the vet and like, wait, I fucking trusted you. What the shit? Like, <laughs> the look of it's betrayal. a ghost story in there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It also reminds me of a, there's an episode of Wilfred uh, where uh, <laughs> um, Elijah Wood's character is like, all right, you ready? We're, we're going to go to AMC today. And he's like, oh, we're going to go see a movie? He's like, maybe it's going to be a Matt Damon movie. And then he, he takes them to AMC, but it's an animal medical center. <laughs> and he's just like so disappointed in him. It's like, you dirty jerk. I trusted you. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, I, so I think what is, um, kind of interesting, though, is just, like, while I was watching it, I try to kind of put myself in, like, how this would have been like to watch it, the initial broadcast, you know, just, like, thinking this was legit real, and I liked it, I think that had I seen it, like, originally, it would have had the, like, really had that impact yeah yeah like uh, um when like when blair witch first came out and people were like really not sure like is this real or is this like a scripted thing and like nothing was outright telling them like yes this is real or yeah that this is all fake yeah it's i mean it's definitely i think um one of those things i think you can yeah you can of course um appreciate it on its own but like unless i feel like you are the right age and the right mindset um like huddled with your family watching that you know i guess what did it 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 aired in october right i think so yeah because it takes place on halloween Halloween. night yeah yeah so So i would imagine so, I mean, like, you know, Halloween night, you're, like, huddled with your family, you're, like, watching this. I mean, I feel like that is just so palpable to actually, like... Because, like, you know, the movie, um, I mean, I broad strokes because I'll get into this in my review. I mean, it's good, but, like, it, it really pays off during the, like, finale. Um yeah. But I think that like the the build up and anticipation of that is so hinged on you kind of being absorbed into thinking this is a hundred percent real. Well, and it's like real brie- the real at the time BBC broadcasters, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because Michael yeah. Parkinson was uh, pretty much the the face of BBC around that time. So I yeah. think just having him hosting the thing no matter what kind of ridiculous stuff goes on in it, people will like, you know, invest in his, um, in, in his agency of like, whether he's telling you like, all right, folks, this is real. Or like, you know, when he 
starts to, to discount everything that people are telling him, you know, um, people will identify with that. Mm -hmm. And they did. Um, I, I think that, uh, it appearing as, as live television on a one night only airing premiere really, mm -hmm. really amplified it for a lot of people, whether or not they were, uh, like they felt betrayed that it was just a, a story that someone wrote versus, uh, what they thought was real, like live television, having it be removed from that context now for about, I guess, 20 years now. Um, and just 30. seeing it as its own. Oh shit. 30. Yeah. Just a reminder how old we are. Um, when I was so, your age, we were ghosts. Uh, <laughs> 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 but like having it removed from that context, it, definitely changes the way people will see it fundamentally. Uh, I I don't think it lessens the impact that it had, but uh, it just won't have the same um, it won't have that same impact of being presented as something real because it had one chance to do that and it did it. And it succeeded. Uh, and now, yeah, yeah. It, it succeeded greatly and it's it's more interesting now as um, a retrospective, I would say. Yeah. Like, you kind of almost have to introduce it or, you know, give it some program notes before uh, just starting to watch it, unless everyone is already on the same page. Like, right. if you're going to show this in the theater, you'd have to, like, talk about it a little bit. Otherwise, people are going to be like, what the fuck is this? Why are we watching a TV show? Right. Well, and like, I also, th I think it's kind of like in that rare same category as that, like, like Orson Welles war of the worlds broadcast, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Where, you know, there's a select few, like a very small number of times where these fictional things are put out there. And like, and especially now we're like such distinguished media consumers, but, um, but but where people thought it was straight up real and a, an actual genuine live broadcast and they were completely fooled and took it seriously. Yeah. I, you know what might be interesting and I wonder if this would ever happen is like the, I think like I, I was I was like sitting here trying to think about like how you could do that like today and maybe possibly fool people and I'm like it would almost have to just be like a live stream um, yeah, that you think is real. Um, or like a podcast that seems like it's about one thing, but it slowly turns into something else. Wait, that's us. Like it, it you think oh, it's shit. about monsters, but it's actually about corgis and British people. <laughs> and <laughs> um, no, but yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying though. You'd almost just have to have that like live aspect though. I yeah. mean, I guess it could be like a live um podcast um i know they're generally not live but i not not that's not also unheard of only murders on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> i guess from, from here i would probably just get a sense of like ratings from you guys because like i can kind of guess where we're leaning but you know just for for the listeners anyone super chomping at the bit maybe wants to like throw some stars on this bitch uh, I I was gonna say I can let Jeff go if he wants to do his review, and then I'll um, 
Do you mind? Damn it, that gets in the way of my normal plan, which is to just like do whatever, like think whatever Mike thinks. <laughs> but I'll try and venture into the adulthood that is your own actual opinions on things. Um, well, okay, so this, you know, again, this was a first time watch for me, and, and I already kind of knew the backstory. Uh, but um, so there's certain things that kind of, uh, you know, there's there's kind of part of the realism is this like dated now dated production value. And um, I could tell there were certain like effects and stuff that don't totally hold up now that we have the ability to pause. Um, <laughs> but overall is still pretty good. Um, and the novelty of the, the idea of it is really good. I love the like, even though some of them are, are not even some of the cast are not traditionally actors everybody really commits to their what they're doing um and makes it really believable and i um i think my favorite thing about it uh, other than the concept's really cool but i just i like that it sticks the landing you know and in a way that for example i feel like for all its virtues like mungo does not uh and it ends it just gets it, it escalates and it escalates in gravity and it kind of brings it home at the end uh in a way and so all those things for me i think are freaking excellent and i just so i'm struggling between giving it either a four or four and a half out of five um and i'll say a four for now with a reservation i might change my mind on reflection but I think I like that it ends strong and I like that there's such an air of realism to it that gives it more gravity than it otherwise would have had. Yeah, that's that's something mm-hmm. that um, I'll, I'll get into as well, because the, the number of times I've seen it, I, I would I would probably give them like different ratings for each viewing because of its impactfulness, you know, because like the first time is always the most impactful. Um, yeah. And then yeah. like. Uh, if you guys rewatch it throughout the years, I'm, I'm certain you'll you'll find something else, something new, maybe different, or something that just didn't work for you as well as it did maybe the first time or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike, how about you? Uh, yeah, so I also really liked it. Um, I will say that it's it was a little bit slow, and you definitely have to, um, like you said, it's very lore heavy. So, yeah, so, I mean, some of it was, like, I was, I don't know, like, there, like there's times when I, it was really creepy. Like, the kids just describing mm-hmm. um, Mr. Pipes. That was Mr. Pipes, right? Yeah. Uh, it was just Pipes. Just Pipes. Oh, okay. Not yeah. Mr. Okay. So, Pipes, yeah. Um, <laughs> it could be Mr. Pipes. You don't know. You don't yeah, know his, I mean... his journey. <laughs> Anyways, um... But no, like when like the the kids are um like describing him or or the entity or whatever, it, it's it's legitimately creepy. It, it's it's I was really impressed by how it was like just mood and atmosphere and like uh like I said, description of, of things rather than just like I mean, all hell does break loose later on, but I mean it really sets the tone and the mood and 
like like Jeff said, I feel like it it does uh, stick the landing uh, really well. Um, I I I I found it a little slow at times. Um, yeah, and I know that that's. Um, I I feel like what maybe the problem was this was so hyped before I saw it. Um, yeah, same with me and Lake Mungo. I think I didn't feel like that one was slow. That wasn't its problem for me, but I think that really does hurt a film. Yeah, like uh, like everybody kept saying, "Oh, it's like the scariest thing ever," and they only aired it once because it upset so many people. I think someone apparently died watching it, and. They like yeah. settled. I, I'm, so yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, I'm like, oh shit! Like this is gonna be like legit the scariest fucking thing I've ever seen. It is legitimately creepy and interesting. I just think maybe it was overhyped for me beforehand. So I don't think that that's necessarily um, a slam against the movie. Just that it was kind of like sold as so scary it killed someone um which i know that that's some of that's just like grown i mean like the i'm sure like the myth has been made so much yeah. bigger uh, over yeah. the years but you know so yeah it was good the ending was great i thought mm-hmm. like the ending really makes the piece um and it's and it's like fun it's like cheesy i mean it's like it definitely had like a wry kind of sense of humor. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did appreciate that a lot. Um, I do like really dry British humor. Um, so yeah, I would say I would probably give it like a four out of five. Um, and yeah, we'll Love we'll it. definitely talk about the deeper stuff. But yeah, it was. It was good. Um, just a little, maybe a little slow. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like, I'm not sure how much of that slowness is uh, like an unintentional like sag in the writing or the performance or a combination of the two, or if it was like actually purposefully baked in because um, yeah, that's yeah. the thing about like these kinds of TV live presentations, like because it's live, it's not going to be like a hundred percent like exciting all the way through. Like there's going to be some, some sags and like, Oh, do we have any callers on the board? Nope. We don't have any callers. Okay. Well, we got to fill this time. Uh, what do we no, do? Y- yeah, yeah. That's a great, and that's a great point. And like, um, I mean, I do think that in the notes that I took, I, I did kind of mention that it was like interesting how it would almost lull you into not really yeah. i was never really bored but it would just it would you would let your guard down and then something would happen yeah. or like they would throw in a nice twist so I yeah i think yeah it's that complacency for me yeah. that that works and is like yeah because you're still with these uh these people these correspondents um that you you're kind of just like riding riding the wave with them so like when something happens that's like shocking like you also then identify with their emotions in the moment so it it really does work to well to help you like feel something there 
Yeah, because I know, like, when we were, like, watching it on Discord, I, there was one point where it was like, okay, it was like, okay, nothing's going on, nothing's going on, and then bang! And I was even like, did you hear me, like, yell? Um, (laughs) Yeah, I was in the other room, but, like, I'm pretty sure uh, that would be a part where where you would (laughs) freak out a little bit. Yeah, it did get me, which I was like, you know, kudos. So, I mean, um, it was really good. I just think that, you know, inherently it has to be a little bit like, I mean, you don't expect to go, I mean, you don't expect to go in and like, you know, hell's already breaking loose. Because I feel like that would be kind of like, where do you even go from there? Um, Yeah, like, like, you would have ruined your own... I thought the faux jump scare with was it Craig? Yeah, uh, Craig Charles, that rascal, uh, Craig, and I was like, "That's nice because you get a little jump scare, but it's like um, it kind of sets the tone of like what's gonna happen, like what's gonna pop out. Like you almost it it (laughs) almost was kind of brilliant to um." kind of set that like tone even in just like a kind of a faux jump scare kind of way yeah and i guess this also go will go into my review too with like the uh um the sagginess of it all for lack of a better term it's i don't know it it, it seems aware of its own imperfections enough to use those as a strength, which I, I think is a really interesting and super efficient way for uh, the storytelling that that unfolds in the movie. And um, just it, it's hard to have a buildup in the way that this movie does to where everything goes and also have you learn a little bit more maybe even after the movie's over, just to think about, like, the mechanics of how this all happened. Because they do tell you straight out what's happening. And then from there, you kind of have to go back a little bit in your head to piece it together. But it's it's doable. It's not like one of those things where they don't want to tell you something because they feel like it would be giving too much away. But mm-hmm. they give you everything. But it's kind of like an iceberg thing where they give you the tip of the iceberg, but you need to uh, explore further down and see where they connect. Yeah. But that being um, said. Yeah, because they um, give you the tip, but they give you just the tip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Damn it. I was going to say it, but <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> just the tip emerging from the glory hole in the Arctic. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, let's talk terminology folks yes please yes. <laughs> brits what's going on with you guys are, are you still calling doors glory holes yeah they I have mean... this little like hobbit door you know yeah. in their house and i'm like well that's creepy where the i've this is going to surprise the folks at home i was always the guy that like if i'm house hunting with friends you know they're like oh this room and that room i'm like oh someone definitely died there that's literally me yeah. <laughs> especially if it's been nailed shut and you don't know yeah if it's there. If there's an anonymous small door that's been nailed shut, just set it on fire, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Save some time. But then when they're like, oh, well, this is a glory hole, I'm like, that's... Like, wait a minute. I was like, excuse me, what? 
Like, why do you keep using that word? I do not think it means what you think it means. Yep. <laughs> well, and, and that's like the problem. Like, okay, so like, um, you know, they were talking about some very like serious, scary stuff, but it just kept taking me out of the moment. They were like, oh, this pipes and he's in the glory hole or, and I'm like, um, excuse me now. <laughs> yeah. It's but, just like, just, just recalling a traumatic experience that you've had. And then like, um, <laughs> like almost gets ruined by just the mention of, of the G word <laughs> when they're doing their testimonial. Like I think the mother does one, you know, when she's talking about, something that she discovered in the glory hole one night. <laughs> I was like, Ooh. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, uh, also fun, two fun facts for the folks at home, because I, I'll do the research. So you don't have to, um, one, I, I don't, I don't know about the, uh, like the, the term also was used in like glass blowing. I know that much. Um, oh yeah. As something innocuous. But if you were to look at the Wikipedia page, it is primarily about the um, the illicit version of the term. And fun fact, the Wikipedia page has straight up pornography on it. Which is fun. I didn't know they could do that. But apparently no editors look at this particular page. And there you go. That's a fact for you. I'm going to look it up now. Um, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, it's definitely very interesting. Like I know that, oh my, yeah, that's just right. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Just, just, oh, it's It's almost like a before and after picture. (laughs) It really is. Like, like, let's, let's really illustrate this just in case you're not clear. I mean, <laughs> it's funny because it's like they don't really have any other pages on any sexual topic that like and, and like the description though um like does it really have to be that descriptive I'm like not someone wrote it. it in a glory I mean, hole <laughs> yeah uh, wow no I'm like um you know the first I can't hear you being flustered <laughs> Like the first picture is like okay yeah I mean I got that, you I get you that's a that's a creepy looking glory hole but okay and then scroll down and blam right there and then like the description is the description is everything like, <laughs> it's very descriptive folks yes. it is so descriptive it's like so, yeah <laughs> you didn't trust your imagination at all yeah. <laughs> So for future reference, if you're feeling lonely, uh, you can always, you know, search for Glory Hall on Wikipedia, and then it'll... I mean, if you have to just look at porn on Wikipedia, you might have some problems. You yeah, Mike? Yeah, yeah, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Um, um. No, uh, that's wild. I'm kind of one, like, it's kind of... I, I'm kind of curious to do a, like a reverse image search of where that image came from, but I'm almost like, should I? I feel like they took it while writing the episode. Yeah. And they were like, and that's why they were so descriptive. They're like, no, this is, this is special. I mean, like, I, I can't say that none of you two are recording in a public bathroom right now. You don't know me and my life story. 
No, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I have no way of, of knowing. If oh, you're yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, so I guess um, because this this show tries to be informative, folks at home, um, I guess in British slang specifically, uh, glory hole is informally a term for a room, cupboard, or other storage space that contains an untidy and miscellaneous collection of objects, you know, like ghosts, demons, you know. Pipes, um, Mr. Pipes. What have you, Mr. Pipes? Um, and then it's like... also used in glass blowing. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, my husband and I would like watch this like glass blowing competition. I watched yeah. that with Katie before. Yeah. There was oh, okay. On Netflix or something. Yeah. yeah. It's like a competition. Yeah. Uh, but like, like the... everyone kind of pokes fun at it because, you know, it's hard not to. And then, like, yeah. sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do. And you're like, oh, okay, they're they're aware of it. Okay, it's we're we're being tongue in cheek now. But like, about the the British thing, like, I understand the whole aspect of it. But like, is is the etymology having to do with like some kind of maybe like religious thing? Like, why why are they sticking to the glory aspect of it? Yeah, the glory aspect of the whole. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah um that's interesting that's an interesting point um this is a um no longer a, a monster podcast this is now just talking about glory holes the reveal like we mean, have like six more episodes to like progressively get there thank you for for the right <laughs> reminder so according to the oxford english dictionary the first recorded use of glory hole in english comes in 1825 when it 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 first started out as a little room for knick-knacky shit, like we said. Um, and then the slang debut came um, 20 years later where it started to be evolved towards like a like a like a gross small room for prisoners, you know, like a like a jail cell. Oh, OK. So it's like, um, re- like reclaimed in the face of that institution. Yes. And then. Um, in 1849, this is all from a Slate article. The it it became first used in glass blowing in this text called Curio- "Curiosities of Glass Making," where for some fucking reason they're just like this word, this term works. And then once it started to become more popular in glass blowing, then uh, I guess it started getting evolved elsewhere. But then in so the actual uh, activity associated with the s- sexual slang glory hole, I guess, first was recorded in 1707, but not with the same term. And then it just gradually made its way over. Interesting. Hmm. 1707. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Um, it, it first emerged in a very non-sexual way, and now... Um, our episode on Glory Hole Watch is complete. There you go. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Have a <laughs> gloryful day. Look, I'm just saying that if you go to a British person's house and they have a glory hole, it is a great spot to stick your pipes. Or Mr. <laughs> Mr. Pipes, if you're feeling particularly fancy. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you do go to someone's house in the UK and they have a glory hole, no matter what kind it is, you should probably leave. <laughs> Unless you're there for it. 
It's right. It sounds the only exception is if your friend is a glass blower. Yeah, that's it. In which case, you're like, like, oh, cool hobby. Let's not talk about that term. Oh, oh, you wanted to blow glass? Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh shit. It's so awkward. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I ruined dinner. <laughs> Well, like, I brought all this equipment for nothing. Yeah. I'm so sorry I ruined a good dinner. <laughs> you ruined it or you made it extremely better? I made it, it depends exceptional. On, uh, depends on the company, I guess. Absolutely. So, anyway, um, obviously, <laughs> those for the folks at home, when you're watching Ghost Watch, as you should, that's... Don't be thrown off by that term. It does not mean... What it yeah. sounds like it means in an American context. Yeah, yes. just keep in mind. It's I had no idea about it, uh, but it like even if you immediately uh, associate with like the sex lurry hole, uh, it's it doesn't take you out of it. It's just like you know you're just adjusting to like yeah. different. Um, it's more just like okay. Yeah. I would I would say initially it did take me a little bit out of it, but then like you recalibrate and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um like on repeat viewings, it's definitely still humorous, but like I'm also like a twelve year old sometimes with that shit, so I'm yeah. always gonna like giggle at stuff. But yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Throwing a question out to y'all, what do you think like like was I mean, excluding the ending, like, what what, else, what did you think the creepiest moment? Um, the one that really worked for me was kind of, other than that, that was pretty early on. It was, like, the first time they're watching the video, and then the light goes off, and you can see that figure in the back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then they and turn the light on, and it's not there. And I just thought it was, like, really, it was very unexpected and effectively done. Because at yeah. first, like, all we had seen was, you know, the sounds of things flying and some things moving. I'm like, oh, that's fine. It's going to be that show. Um, that's fine, I guess. But then, like, they turned the light off and there was, like, a fucking human back there that then disappeared when the light was on. And I was like, oh, I was into it. Also, like, when they rewind the tape, the same tape that showed them that, to look at that exact same piece of footage, it was gone. That really worked for me too. Um, I think when they introduce the uh, the prospect of like once they're learning who Pipes was, and then realizing that there was another entity that is controlling Pipes, that's what really got me. Mm-hmm. Like the reason why Pipes is dressed the way he is, and it's uh, like a you have to dig a little bit because they don't really say her name that much, um, and uh, so I, I guess spoilers for um, for Ghost Watches like ultimate reveal here. Um, so if you don't want to hear it, just you know fast forward a little bit until we're not talking about stuff so um pipes is the is the main like poltergeist you know paranormal entity that is terrorizing this family but they get to a point where they they find out who pipes is um when one of the callers on the show like goes into the back history 
of the house and and um <clears throat> everyone who stayed in the house and there was like a secret sublet room which is what was pretty much behind that glory hole door and he uh, Richard Turnstall was his name he had about a dozen cats or something uh cats come into the picture quite a bit he was um inhabited by the spirit of of a woman named Mother Seddens, who I think it was like back in the Victorian era, she was kidnapping and killing like children and babies and would always sing like these nursery rhymes to them when she was about to uh, do the deed and uh, started like taking over his body and he would eventually um, go crazy from that and Mm -hmm. didn't want to live with it anymore. So he, he ended up hanging himself right behind the door. And then that's when the, the cats got at his face and everything. Um, so like the, the, the reveal for that, um, it particularly stuck with me and it's like a really, really nicely creepy, um, kind of a soft reveal. That that one really got to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what's I I also thought was really interesting there. I I definitely see like a lot of parallels between Ghost Watch and Conjuring Two. <laughs> like noticeably when um, like they catch the little. Well, this might be a little a, a bit of a spoiler. So spoiler warning: they catch the one girl like faking an event. And yeah. that happens in Conjuring 2. Mm-hmm. And I mean, again, I mean, th- it had to be a reference to that because, I mean, both of it's like set in England. Both of it is. When was the Enfield haunting? That was like the 80s. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. That's actually what this, uh, what Ghostwatch is mainly based around. It's like based because, on. Yeah. yeah. And that actually um, happened in the Enfield haunting was one of the daughters was purposefully like banging on the walls, pipes or whatever, just to get people to keep paying attention to them. Maybe not for attention's sake, but to like get them to stay and continue like investigating, I think. Yeah. It, it's definitely I I I do really appreciate the fact that like early on it is a lot of descriptions and it doesn't go right to 11 like i said where where would you even go from there and i mean kids being creepy saying they see things is always inherently like very creepy yeah Mm -hmm. i think the Um, the drawings really help a lot too especially when there's like yeah like a hundred of them i will say yeah i mean i will say like i want to i haven't actually had a chance to like give it a second watch. Um, but like, I do want to like definitely watch it a few more times because, um, you know, again, like I picked up enough on the lore to get what was going on, but I feel like a lot of it is, um, I mean, it, it goes by quickly. So you really need to be paying attention. Um, yeah, it, it, it rifles pretty fast. Cause like there are some parts that like, Pretty much nothing really happens for like large sweeps of time. 
but then everything just sort of happens really quick. It's like a blink and you'll miss it thing. Like mm-hmm. they're not going to go back and repeat that. Um, and uh, oh, I'm just looking at the the Enfield Poltergeist. Uh, that was between Genet. 1977 and 79, so it was just before the 80s. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Now I'm I'm curious because I Andre, I know you did like a lot of research and and everything. Was there ever like anything written or a movie made about the actual like lore? Because I think that would make a pretty interesting kind of standalone. Um. About like the Enfield? Um, no, 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 I mean about like the, the lore within Ghostwatch. Oh, yeah, so there, there's a um, there's a documentary about it called Ghostwatch Behind the Curtains. Um, this would have been 2012. Um, it's mostly just like, you know, the making of you know, behind the scenes kind of stuff and just like examining the reception of the film. So um, I imagine that they probably go into some of the lore, you know, just to like recap the film, uh, but nothing really adding on to it. There was a sequel called 3110, as in October 31st. I don't think this was a film. So this was just a short story that is just a PDF on Stephen Volk's website. Uh, that's the writer of Ghostwatch. And it, it immediately follows the the events after um, the, the end of Ghostwatch. I think it oh, follows nice. someone investigating the uh, the control room, you know, after the uh, the broadcast ends abruptly. Um, mm. I, I read it a couple years ago, but I don't really remember a lot about it. I just know that it's it's a little bit more investigative, in, investigative, investigative, <laughs> um, and it's it's a lot more um, uh, it's a little bit more cerebral than the uh, than the film. But if you want to learn more about uh, the implications of the final events and a little bit more than that, I'd recommend checking it out. Let me get that link so I can read it. You know what's Yeah. You know what's interesting though? I think that had this movie been like maybe broadcast annually, if the, I don't know. I guess has there been like home video releases? I know in the U.S. there really hasn't been, but maybe I'm sure there probably has in the U.K. Yeah. So uh, BFI has they put a DVD out um, in the U.K. only. It is pretty expensive to order for from the states. I, I believe it's been out of print for a good decade. Um, Although, if if anyone has a region free player, uh, one hundred one films has a decent uh, DVD of it, but it's it's one of those double feature things. So there's a Ghost Watch and no extras, and then a uh, a BBC Nigel Neal TV movie, which is um, the Stone Tape, which is also quite good. Um, mm-hmm. But it's they're not 
connected at all. Uh, they just have the same. Um, mm. They cover the same area of like paranormal uh, happenings, basically. Yeah, but like I, I like I guess I was like I'm thinking if this had been more widely available, if there would have been maybe like a spinoff movie or movie series or I could see books maybe of you know not only like maybe like you said you know like there was like a a sequel story but I mean I feel like you can almost like make a whole like series out of like this like rich lore you know so I wonder you know was it a victim of its own not having a lot of exposure or maybe quite the opposite. Like the fact that it rarely gets shown maybe is why we still talk about it. Yeah. I I think maybe the almost inaccessibility to it certainly blows it up in proportion, like in terms of, um, um, uh, like, it's it it kind of feels like one of those holy grails of yeah. um of like horror um storytelling that everyone talks about whether or not everyone who's talking about it has like really and truly seen it but it's like a it kind of weaves almost like an urban legend around uh the history and reception and just like people wanting to see it and mm-hmm. That they just yeah, can't. and like I think that's again I think that's kind of where I almost it almost was kind of ruined for me. Not I mean not to say that I didn't enjoy it like I I really did. Um, but again, it's coming back to like when I was saying about how maybe like it was just overly hyped, where it was like this when you yeah. tell somebody it's the scariest thing ever. I mean, how does that? How do you ever live up to that? Yeah, and like any movie or story or book or whatever that someone tells you is just that is the scariest thing ever or in the world or whatever hyperbole that they insist on using. Um, it for me that it doesn't, that doesn't mean anything because, uh, like fear is a completely subjective reaction to like anything like you could have, um, you can have a near death, experience with something that is like totally run-of-the-mill for someone else mm-hmm. um yeah and like i'm just like i i don't really put in a lot of investment whenever someone tells me that like when they do i just kind of shut up shut down for a little bit and then i come back oh that's uh, fair i get that yeah and like i i don't i i've had a lot of um battles with with hype uh, in the last 10 years and um a lot of it has has to do with movies you know when like this movie's coming out uh the press team is going crazy on these advertisements and trailers and like they're gonna they're gonna throw this stuff out like the most terrifying film you will ever see or you know stuff like yeah. that like i remember for like like uh i remember that was really bad for um don't breathe right oh yeah which was you know a minus uh the twist which yeah. has its own set of problems that are it's very awful it's yeah, yeah. 
I will I won't belabor the point, but there are real problems with it. Outside of that, though, like in terms of if we're just going to ignore what it is and just talk about the setup and the tension, it's a pretty t- tense movie before that point in a successful way, right? Before they ruin it. But um, but I remember uh, when it came out, it was so overhyped, like, and this was before I was even like a professional critic, but I still watched a lot of movies. And they're like, this is the most stressful movie experience I've ever had. And I'm like, have you never seen movies before? Right. Because, yeah. like, I would say even for non-horror stuff, like, Uncut Gems was more oh, intense yes. for me. Yeah, Dude, that I'm, was I'm... the most stressful movie going experience I ever had. Thank you. Oh, my and... God. Every... I was like on like the edge of my seat every yeah. five minutes renewed, you know, yeah. like, like how we stop doing. Why are you doing this? No, don't do that. Why are you like, no, 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 oh no, no, God, no, no, no. Yeah. It's not yeah. even a horror movie, but I'm like, don't breathe. It's definitely not at that level, man. So like, don't oversell. Yeah. If you were just like, this is a tight, good thriller. I'd still be disappointed with the ending, but like, you don't need to overhype stuff. And, you know, I, I would actually, an argument that uncut gems is totally horror because there's there's something in the beginning that really really made me think a lot about the exorcist nice uh, okay. if that makes any yeah because huh. um especially like that forbidden item that you're not supposed to have uh, oh yeah sure like sure, sure, sure which yeah, is which is definitely a um which is definitely like a classic like horror trope true mm-hmm. um yeah it's like a monkey's paw thing, but yeah, it's not. yeah, and like you know, like I would never. Um, and you also get into like the fine line between like psychological horror and thrillers. Yeah, um, like that's just like I mean, some people will say uh, that whenever they're calling it a psychological thriller, and like this is bullshit, and like so, sometimes it might be. Sometimes it's, it's re- there really is a distinction there, but yeah, the line say, like 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 so often. Yeah, because I would say that like like Black Swan is is a could be well described as a psychological, you know, horror film, but it's definitely a horror film. Yeah. So it's it's really it is subjective. You're totally right, and I think um, I wouldn't classify Uncut Gems as a horror film per se, but I also think that's not a bad argument at all. You know, like yeah, that and like you can see makes, it that way. You can. That's an insightful that way, way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's not talk about that great film. And let's talk about <laughs> the great film we're talking about. And um, I'm with you on the overselling, but I also feel like part of part of what made the film land so well was the same thing that made like Blair Witch land so well, which was that like they were so careful about it and made it feel so real. Yeah, that that can only happen every you know once a generation or so to really catch people off guard. Yeah, um, it's something you can't do very often. Yeah. Yep. Um but to to go back to the the Enfield poltergeist stuff, um I, I would even argue for Ghostwatch that this could this would be in my mind considered um like a folkloric horror story. Because of its like its vague, if if that vague um, grounding in reality and like the mm-hmm. history that they created for the story, because like 
all they could really um, base this on was the investigation of the Enfield house and mm-hmm. the the characters who were real and terrorized the people, sorry, the people who were real and actually terrorized by something that was happening there, whether or not it was actually um, some kind of spiritual or demonic entity, um, mm-hmm. what they took with that and then added on to for ghost watch, I think certainly qualifies it for uh, folk horror because it's something that people talked about. It's something that locals know about and even in ghost watch we we follow these outsiders that come in to i don't know the name of the the area but it has a name (laughs) the um the house there and there's this Mm -hmm. moment where like craig charles is just hanging out outside and he's just talking to to a couple people uh right next to a um like a swing set you know a playground and like he has no idea he asks them, like, can you tell me about the playground here? He has no idea what the answer is going to be. Um, and they they give him, like, this really dark history behind it. But, like, they've all just known about it. And it's just something that the locals know. Um, and it's always that where an outsider comes in trying to exploit, you know, this this story that has fostered so much, like, terror and disdain. And like dread for everyone who lives in the area, but they still they still live there. They've accepted this, and mm. they know that something that terrible is not going to happen again as long as they respect it. You know, stay away from it, don't engage with it. But as soon as like the BBC moves in, they they ruffle so many feathers that they create this uncontrollable. Um, I, I guess you could call it like a typhoon, pretty much, like near the end. Yeah, I suppose you could say that. Yeah, so um, that that would be my main argument. So, like, um, so Stephen Volk talked about um, his big influence that he had from Edgar Allan Poe, where a lot of his stories are uh, very much like terrifying tales of horror and everything, but he, he does this thing in a lot of his stories where he, he blends like fact and fiction together. Um, and that's something that I think Steven really takes and uh, runs with for, for ghost watch where he, he takes the real happenings of the Enfield house and the poltergeist and adds his own, um, fictional uh events characters mm. everything and that works probably the best in the way that it's presented because then you can have a movie that tells you and doesn't show you which is something that movies are not supposed to do <laughs> but in this format it works because you know in in news um we don't have footage of you know someone on the street who's talking about something they experienced 10 years ago. Um, so I guess my point is uh, the, the ghost stories, they go into the bleeding of the two fact and fiction uh, pretty often. And like, this is a perfect example of 
the marriage of the two. And uh, it it provides a kind of a brilliant association of similar dichotomies where there's the believability aspect versus the like a detached analyzation of things. Mm-hmm. But like when you're analyzing things, you don't give um, certain topics or uh, events the weight that they require. And that's, that's when you fuck things up. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I, I definitely think that like thinking of the difference between like analyzing and, um, and just experiencing is really like apt to how to enjoy ghost watch. Because, like, you know, when I paused the film, I did it a couple times to, like, you know, get a refill, make some popcorn. Um, I, uh, you know, sometimes individual things wouldn't hold up in the frame that much to a modern audience. But I think it's also important to remember that, like, we have a now almost every like so much, like probably you know, 85% of your um, watching experience is probably, like, straight-up digital. There's there's still some really good stuff that hasn't been converted um, or that isn't streamable or whatever. But, like, in general, most of what we watch now at home is digital. And that allows the ability to kind of, like, minutely pause and analyze every single frame, right? Yeah. In a way that, like you didn't used to be able to do or that you certainly couldn't do with ghost watch because it was like a one and done live event that was then rare. And so that wasn't how they were making it. So it's not really like a fair criticism of the film per se. Yeah. Well, I mean what they had on, um, in the the BBC set was um, they were analyzing some tapes and like with that kind of stuff, like you can go back and like freeze on something, but at the, um, at the expense of the media that you're using. So like you're actually physically destroying it bit by bit each time that you stop or replay it. Um, I don't know the, the tangibility of, um, sacrificing that slice of physical media to uh, further go into um, what's really there, but then have things change all the time is like probably a result of the, the paranormal aspect um, yeah. more so than like the actual analyzation of, of the thing. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Mike, are you there? Yeah. Um, no, I was just... Um, yeah, I was also going to add that um, I think that what's so interesting about Ghostwatch is just taking something um, like a really nice, quaint-looking place and, you know, having something unbelievably creepy or evil happening. Just like the... Um, you know, what's so effective about, like, say, Poltergeist is, you know, it's not like this big creepy mansion. It's like the suburbs, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
It's a house that um, like, anyone could live in. Yeah. Um, so I think when you start seeing these really banal, just kind of really um, even kind of boring like settings um, and adding the fantastical, I always think that that's so inherently interesting. Um, because again, you know, it's like in the old like Hammer movies, for example, like you have like the outsiders that are like going to like the big creepy mansion. Um, yeah. Like you would think like, no, but like, that's probably not great. Um, <laughs> so, you know, probably don't go there or like, you know, in like the slasher movies, when they tell you, uh, this place has got a death curse on it. And they're like, no, I'm sure it's fine. You know, like you, you don't, you, you know that those people are like dumb and like deserve to die, but like, <laughs> you know, well, like, what, when, like, well, that's a tactical fail. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, when, when it's something that's happening in, um, everyday neighborhood, a pretty everyday house. Um, that's what I think is really interesting um, and and really unsettling is like the supernatural in the most kind of really dull places. Um, so, I mean, I think that that's definitely a strength that, that Ghostwatch has because I, I think it really does a really good job of tapping into why that's so effectively um, scary. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. All right. So with that, I think um, maybe we want to move into final thoughts on the film. Uh, is, is there uh, anything else that possibly we we haven't touched on yet? Um, uh, something that we we did touch on, but I just want to reiterate is like uh, I actually think the scene. Where you you discover the uh, the girl had been while the cameras were there, like trying to ramp up the crazy, you know, um, by by faking some some banging and some other stuff. Um, I thought that was a really good red herring to kind of uh, shift audience expectations a little bit. Yeah, yeah, because uh, it really does get to to Sarah. Uh, the the lone correspondent that's actually yep. staying in the house with them, yeah, yep. it really gets to her, and like, you can tell how how tense she is yep. at that point. Yeah, and so like I thought that was that was a nice choice to kind of like organically shift audience expectations and like allow us to still be surprised. So when it escalates for real, it really hits. Yeah, I agree. It's a really good, like you said, misdirection. And again, you know, like it kind of brings me back to like my point where how like this this will purposely lull you into a false sense of security. Um and then by the finale it just rips the frog rate from out from under you, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really wonder if someone actually did 
die <laughs> during a broadcast of this, or if that was just like a um, if it was just like media, like the yeah. like uh, PR. You know, I I think the story of it is probably like way more fascinating than probably what actually happened. But um, yeah. again, it kind of creates this lore. Um, just that's why I kind of think it was such a missed opportunity that they never did like a kind of follow up film where, um, you know, in the follow up, like we all know that this was like fiction, mm-hmm. kind of like Blair Witch 2, like you know, where Blair Witch Project was a fictional film within you know the sequel. Yeah, I think that there's some, something kind of cool you could do with that. Um, like yeah, I ex- feel like it's. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, sorry. Um, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that. Like, I, I agree with you. I think that it's an idea that hasn't been overdone. Yeah, um, like I think that you could explore. Um, like certain aspects of like Ghost Watch, like in a sequel where oh shit, you know what, maybe actually this did happen, and they I don't know yeah. fictionalized it not to get sued, kind of a la Return of the Living Dead, or I don't know, I, I, I it's such a shame, because I feel like you could, there's so many different avenues you could branch off of the lore, um and I'm like wondering if, had this been like aired more I mean it would obviously lose its mystique but then would we also maybe get some like spin-off material which you know I think would be really cool like I I know everybody's kind of maybe getting conjuring fatigue but like I don't know I I could see like maybe a ghost watch universe um, Mm -hmm. somehow I don't know yeah we're like the events of the end of the film could have realistically, well, not really realistically, but uh, could have branched off into its own like alternate reality of like once all of these spirits are just let loose on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, you could go anywhere with that. Like you could just say that now only on this one day, it's just not safe to like go outside or leave your house or you could have it where since it's been about 30 years, uh, maybe they've been, they've taken over. So it's been like pretty much three decades of just chaotic rain. I mean, you could, you could do anything. I think that would that. be super cool. Like I would maybe yeah. have it be kind of take place in like a modern Britain, like a today that that had happened like it like the spirits had taken over and the only way they could stop it is by like basically becoming like destroying the technology you know so like communications it's been like a black zone for so many years and that was the only way to prevent like it from spreading yeah and i don't remember exactly where the uh 3110 short story goes but um, I, I do know that it takes place 10 years after uh, the original broadcast. So uh, in 2002, um, it, it looks like Sarah's in it as well. And Pipes is also 
back. So he pipes is uh, a through line, I think. So maybe um, like continuing to have that through line of, of pipes um, as maybe the genesis of it all. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there could be something there. Yeah, or even doing like a prequel or exploring just, you know, the um, the mythos that they kind of set up where you could actually see it play out, I think would be even really interesting. Um, and then again, you could also go like the meta route where in this universe, Ghostwatch was just a fictional program, but, you know, yeah. fiction and reality start to blur. Um, I don't know. I feel like come on people let's you know netflix you can hire me give me a blank check uh <laughs> you know i'll take a fincher kind of deal we can make it happen i mean if we're we're handing out deals i i will take one too deals for everybody you get a deal and you, you get, get a deal. deal so i guess my f- if I just wanted to sum things up myself, I think it's really interesting. It's definitely something that I think is worth repeat watching. Again, I think that, like we said, the the some of the lore goes uh, by pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, a really fascinating watch. Like I said, maybe a little overhyped on my end, but I was not disappointed. It was it was really good. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely dug it. Um, and that was a great choice. I'm glad we did it. Yeah, uh, I would definitely watch it again. You know, I, I kind of wonder, is it like, is it kind of that the BBC is embarrassed by this? Is that why they are kind of sticklers for the this copyright, for the, this IP? I wouldn't be surprised, because um, I, I listened to a, a couple interviews with, with the writer and uh, his his recollections of working with BBC for this, um, they, it, it was almost as if uh, they just allowed it to happen. But then once, once it had finished airing, they let them know that like, that's it. That there's that nothing else is going to come of this. Just that's, based on the reception to it. That's super shitty that they didn't even stick up for, the creative people involved. I mean, because like, look, yeah. Like, I mean, because I mean, it's, it's like, come on. I mean, at the time it's like 1992, right? I mean, I feel like people, it wasn't, it wasn't like the war of the world where you didn't really have a lot of freewheeling information, right? Like, I feel like you could definitely not be that. I mean, you could still be duped, but like not that easily. So I feel like that's, I don't know. I, I I don't see why people took it that seriously as far as like being like embarrassed about it. Um That's clearly the the one of the best episodes of Doctor Who ever filmed. Yeah. <laughs> or um uh Doctor Quatermass, maybe. <laughs> that that would fit. It goes a little bit further than BBC. So after this after Ghostwatch aired and they got it was twenty thousand phone calls, and so the UK's Broadcasting Standards Council um, they convened for a hearing about this, um, which was held a few years later, like in nineteen ninety five, 
um, they they ruled that the producers of of the film um, had deliberately set out to, and this is a quote, cultivate a sense of menace. So that was the that was the judgment coming down on them. So the BBC had to comply. Yeah. Question: Is that not the point of the right? horror genre? Exactly. Yeah. Do they not I understand think... what they were making? I, I think Damn it has... it. I'm going to find Maybe. you producers of Anchorman for making people laugh. It okay. created an environment of laughter. <laughs> yeah. But like, it, it seems like something that would have bled out of the, the tendencies of, um, <clears throat> Oh man, I'm forgetting her name right now. Margaret Thatcher, you know, basically Who is the real villain of yeah. everything. <laughs> She's but... actually the ghost. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I the... just I want yeah, yeah I wanted to ahead. mention real quick just before I forget. Um, they actually do have the um some of the creative people involved interviewed on the new um documentary, the found footage phenomena, which is right. really excellent. I got to see that during Fantastic Fest, and so whenever that comes out, if you are interested in learning more some of the key creators are uh, interviewed for that. That sounds yeah. awesome. I'd also like to point out that one thing, some something that f- folks at home should know, but that a lot of people don't is that mother Seddon's, um the, the sort of the named thing behind a lot of it is actually Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she just um, kills babies. That's Seriously, I mean, can you think of like anyone in history that's more a more of a likely candidate for being like a child killing bridge monster than Margaret Thatcher? Yeah, I mean, like in the UK, yeah, totally. If it was yep. in the US, I would probably say Tipper Gore, but uh, <laughs> just because <laughs> they seem like twins of of a certain evil, you know, twinsies. Yeah, <laughs> but um, Nancy Reagan, you got your Nancy Reagan. Oof, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it would also be really interesting. I don't know if we have, like, any UK listeners, but I would love to get some feedback on, like, people oh, yeah. that have actually seen Ghostwatch and it's, in, it's, like, the original broadcast. I'd love to, like, hear what that was like. Yeah, and, and I yeah, know that I would um, too. Uh, some lucky folks were recording the live broadcast on tape, you know, as they were watching. So they would have like some kind of a copy to go back to. Like if they're going to say, I want to watch that again. I don't believe that any of this was real or, you know, anything of the sort. So um, I'm sure some tape swapping occurred back then. Uh, maybe yeah. even increased after uh, the hearing in 1995. Yeah. Because, you know, when you label something a video nasty, like you're just asking for people to just watch it out of spite or, you know, well, it's seek literally it out. like that whole, like, don't think of an elephant thing. Right. Yeah. Or it's like, if I like had this, uh, curtain in my office to the, to the bathroom, you know, cause, cause my, my office at home, uh, has a bathroom. If I like put like a, like a dark curtain there, you couldn't see through. I'm like, Oh yeah. Uh, come over. The whole house is yours. Uh, don't look through this curtain, though. You can't see what's behind this curtain. 
absolutely uh, terrible things will happen if you peek through. Literally, don't do it. You promise? You promise? And then I leave. You're going to look through the fucking fir- curtain, like, first thing. Yeah. Uh, of course well, you are. Like you'll, you'll keep yourself from doing it for maybe, like, five minutes. And you're like, okay, it's killing me. I got to see it. Exactly. Like, come but on. Joke's on you. I am behind the curtain, and I'm just always watching Jeff. So, oh, no. Sorry. Is there a hole in the curtain? Don't, don't look through the hole in the curtain. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what um <laughs> honestly this all makes sense of quite a few things <laughs> this is why there's <laughs> well with that i think we have covered quite a bit and would like to wrap things up um as with anything if there's anything left unsaid speak your piece now <laughs> but uh, otherwise I think um, we dug pretty deep um, as far as some other curiosities um, I'll likely post some links in the description uh, in case listeners want to learn a little bit more about this um, and yeah just hopefully uh, our our luck with talking about other hard to find movies like with our previous blood for Dracula, flesh for Frankenstein, mm-hmm. uh, the BBC or the BFI will come to some, um, amazing agreement to release it worldwide. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I actually yeah. found out something for the folks at home, um, that I literally found out during this episode, you can find ghost watch in reasonable high def on archive.org. That is a good tip. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, just search like, just search for it, and you'll find it. Um, neat. Fuck yeah, archive.org. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and I would just like to add that if you uh, are in the UK and listening, um, we'd kind of like really love to hear what um, y'all think about Ghostwatch. Um, and maybe you could fill us in on like kind of what it was like to uh see it back then. I think that would be really fascinating. Yeah. Uh come talk yep. to us. We have a Discord. Um definitely pop in if you're uh if you're across the pond and you yep. have uh, some level of familiarity with this. We'd love to talk yep. about it. I would say like yeah. like subscribe follow us on the twitters um yes. chime in about what british folkloric creature you think margaret thatcher was tell me <laughs> how bad my british accent is because <laughs> uh, i mean like we we all live in the colonies so you know what do we know <laughs> yeah and a couple of us in the wild west you know all the way up in pew pew uh, <laughs> yeah but um, let's see. Where can people find you guys? Uh, well, I am on Twitter at Strange Cinema sixty five, um, and my book, The Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema, is on Amazon, and my letterbox is Kubrick six double five three two one. All right, and Jeff. Uh, and you can find me on uh, Twitter at Real Jeff Ewing, R E E L. And uh, you can find my stuff at Forbes and on Slash Film. And you can find me here because you already did. 
Uh, you can you can find me behind Jeff's curtain because I'm always yep. there watching. Always. <laughs> I always feel like somebody's watching me. Thank you. Uh, I would like to just step in for one second and say thank you to the folks at home and thank you for because someone needs to thank Andre for emceeing a fantastic episode. So thank you, Andre. Yes, thank you, Andre. And thank you for listening. <laughs> once more, I'd like to extend a special thanks to our guests this episode and to all of you out there listening. From the dawn of recorded human civilization, we've been fascinated by monsters and the monstrous. They've inhabited our dreams and nightmares. They've been our protectors and our villains. They've symbolized our fears and vices, our hopes and potential. Fears of creatures and the night that nourishes them were key inspirations and fuel for the rise of human civilization, the need to get out of the shadows, behind the walls, and into the light. In many ways, understanding our monsters is an important part of understanding our world and ourselves. So thank you for taking this journey with us, we humanoids in the deep dive. (laughs) 